Hello and welcome to Film School for Dad, the podcast where we attempt to correct dad's lifetime squandered on respectable altruistic pursuits in lieu of a proper education in popular culture. I'm Harv. And I'm Dad. And let us know what the film is, Dad, if you remember. Uh, yes, it's called Magnolia. Nice. And it's going to be a doozy, this one. A doozy. Yeah. Right. So it's been a while. We probably should do a, you know, bit of a, a, a catch up or something. I don't know. What do you think? Well, yes, we've been um, separated by the pandemic by um, and large for much of that time. That's right. Mm. You being in the, the high risk category. <laughs> That's uh, the, the downside of doing film school with by dad. Vir- by virtue of my age and my um, underlying conditions, as they like to call them right. these days. Yeah, um, comorbidities. comorbidities. <laughs> I reckon I've got more comorbidities than you. I just don't have the age uh, no. working against me. All right, well, we're going to watch a pretty cool movie. This is one that I always remember from my um, formative years watching mm-hmm. movies, and uh, it's a significant one in the sense that, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like a really adult film to me at the time, and I'm sort of wondering if uh, watching it again now that I am not just adult, but like middle-aged, if it'll still have the same impact. So I think it'll be an interesting one. Magnolia is a 1999 film starring Tom Cruise, Julianne Moore, William H. Macy. Um, and you'll know some of those, maybe not all. You know all three well, of those I, names? Well, I know Tom Cruise and I cringed when you said it. Yeah. Well, you didn't hate Jerry Maguire, so we'll see if he can pull another mm. rabbit out of the hat. Twice, twice you're testing me on Tom Cruise. And what are the odds though, right? Like, you know. Mm. Tom Cruise from Cocktail and two of my favorite movies he ended up being in. Um, and it's got an amazing uh, ensemble cast, like just a really huge, this is, this is one of those movies. that's just, it's just big. There's characters everywhere. And uh, that's why the running time happens to be three hours. And I've kind of avoided it up to this point because it's a bit hard to cram it in. Um, but then this time around, I thought we've had such a good break. Let's just put in like a seven hour <laughs> podcast. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, we'll, um, be, uh, we'll be here till after midnight. That's right. But we, mm. we definitely don't have time to mention all of the actors, so I won't do that. It was nominated for three Oscars that it didn't win. Um, Tom Cruise was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So, you know, he, he obviously puts in a pretty good turn in this one. Um, it also got Best Screenplay and Best Song. So it's a, it's, a, it's a musical thing. Music is a big part of the movie. Um, so hopefully it'll get a few points from you for that. Have you heard of a um, singer called Amy Mann? I've heard of her, but okay. um, I don't think I've got anything by or, or can tell you anything she's done, but no, I've okay. heard the name. So you, you may know the title, you know, the main song. It's This is sort of the movie that made her famous. They released a whole bunch of music videos mm-hmm. for her album at the same time <clears throat> and tied in all the marketing. So um, it was certainly the movie that made me aware of her work and um, – uh, certainly turned me into a fan, although I don't know what she's been doing for the last 10 years. Back in the 90s was a bit of a flat spot in my musical um, education. You're not alone there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there was something about 90s music you either loved yeah. or hated. Uh, certainly I found plenty to love in there, but I can see how you could uh, just mm. skip the whole decade probably if you really wanted to. 
Um, it did win a lot of awards as well. Like on IMDb, it's like 25 awards that it won and it's, it was nominated for like 50 more on top of that. So it was, you know, it was a pretty significant movie and it was a bit of a game changer at the time. But again, that doesn't really matter now, does it? Because there's probably been 15, 20 movies that have cloned the, the mood and the, the tone of this one. Right. What, what year did you say again? 99. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, we can party just like it's 1999 while we're watching it. Mm. Um, but it's hardly a party, I'll tell you. It's uh, it's it's uh, as I said before to you. It's a sort of a very grown-up film. There's something a very uh, there's something very now about it in the sense that it really portrays. I don't want to say mental illness, or that there is mental illness in it. But you know how it, it seems like now everybody's got something, a little bit of something, when it comes to mental illness. All right. It's almost yeah. like a badge of honor these days to, you know, like I, I say to people I'm OCD all the time and that's really insulting people who actually have a OCD right. condition probably. But well, people talk about mental illness a hell of a lot more than yeah. they did 20 years ago. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I think when this movie was shown, yeah. it was it was showing a side of people that wasn't mm. spoken about. So it was a lot more taboo, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. So again, that might be something that doesn't age well. I don't really know. So um, I just need to talk about the director because um, he uh, he's made a, a string of amazing movies, um, but unfortunately his more recent ones didn't really capture me that much. But his early stuff was great. He made um, Boogie Nights, which you may have heard of. I, I've heard of it, but I have no idea what it okay. is. Yeah. So Boogie Nights was his first breakout film. It was about a bunch of people making porn films, but it was oh. about the family that they formed and and their their relationships. Um, so, uh, again, won a lot of awards and all that kind of stuff. Um, he also made one called Punch Drunk Love, which I think is actually one of my favorites above Magnolia, but uh, I couldn't decide between the two. So I just sort of right. tossed a coin. Um, uh, there Will Be Blood, uh, you may have heard of. It was a, no. No, okay. And there was one called The Master, which you probably missed. Most people did, but it was. Um, there Will good. Be Blood would star Donald Trump, would it? <laughs> uh, well, it was, it was before all of that. No one would have been thinking about Donald Trump back then. No, it's actually Daniel Day-Lewis was no, the I think they were thinking about him back then. Yeah, possibly. Mm. It's almost in a, like in he's a always... In a different light. He's perhaps. always been in mm. here in the backs of people's mm. minds or something. Yeah, it's festering away. All right, so Paul Thomas Anderson will be new to you then as the director. And uh, uh, Absolutely. I've, I've not seen any of those. I'm quite certain of that. So Magnolia is sort of his magnum opus, I would say. Um, he made Boogie Nights, and I remember seeing an interview with him where he was doing all the press for Boogie Nights and soaking up all the success of that, and he said he just couldn't stop writing. He couldn't turn it off, and he just decided to disappear and sit down, and he wrote like Magnolia in like, I think he said like five nights or something just without sleeping, mm-hmm. just as like an overspill of creativity from the excitement of his first film, which I thought was a really interesting thing because normally, mm-hmm. you know, you approach your second film. I mean, I don't know this. But no, but I, but I can understand that as a writer. Yeah, well, I can, I can so, understand Sometimes it. it just comes in a torrent like that. And, yeah, yeah. And Not you, usually two, four movies plus a three-hour one in the, in the second. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's a lot, but yeah. um, I don't see why not, though. Yeah, I, the, it's more often yeah. you hear the story about the director who makes a fantastic first movie and then yeah. – freezes up and just can't follow up because he knows he can't top the first yes, film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, PTA, as I like to call him, he's, um, 
obviously didn't have that problem, although he's uh, extremely neurotic. Like if you watch him in the DVD special features of uh, this and Boogie Nights, there's, there's footage of him uh, beating himself up and running around and talking to, uh, is talking he, to his is films. Is he American? Like yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's American. He's very American. Right. <laughs> and unfortunately, he just hasn't done anything that great for the last, I don't know, maybe five years or so. He's done some music videos and things. But the exciting news is, and it's not exciting to you yet, but if you like this movie, it will be maybe exciting, is he's um, just recently shot a film with Bradley Cooper, who you know from A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set uh, for the first time since these first few movies that he made in the San Fernando Valley. So I think he's going back to his roots a little bit. And it's got us fans going, maybe it'll be like a proper Paul Thomas Anderson movie. All right. So, and obviously Bradley Cooper's very talented. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he makes bad movies. He's not been in, in many bad mm-hmm. ones that I've ever seen. So, he certainly was brilliant in uh, As Far as Born. I, oh, he was I amazing. Greatly yeah. enjoyed that. Mm. He directed that, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he wrote it, but he, well, I guess this, it's, a, it's a remake. So, even if he wrote it, he didn't yeah. write it, write it. But yeah, he certainly had directed and, that. Uh, he amazing. certainly remade the career of Lady Gaga by doing it. She, uh, yes. She went to a, uh, another level after that. Yes, but this movie did it, that for Tom Cruise and a few of the other mm-hmm. actors as well. Just really brought them into a more serious light where they'd been mm-hmm. sort of slightly comedic actors before. Yeah. William H. Macy, who I, I bet when you see him, you'll recognize him because he's in a bunch of stuff. But uh, yeah, he was sort of a comedic actor. He sounds, that's the sort of name you feel like you should know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it's out of the 30s, actually, from it the does, si- silent yeah. movie era or something. He's got he's got that kind of vibe about him, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and any name that has a middle initial sounds important, so. Yeah, but it's immediately American, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. So uh, that's pretty much all I had to talk about. It's actually quite a lot, but it's a three-hour film, so mm-hmm. we don't want to belabor the intro too much. Any comments before we go into it? Uh, you, does that sound exciting? Does it sound well? The the first criteria for a three hour movie will be: Am I awake at the end of it? <laughs> yeah. Um, if I reach the end of it awake, um, given the time of night it will be, yeah, um, that'll be an encouraging uh, first sign. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'd be very surprised if it didn't engage you uh, long mm-hmm. enough to keep you awake. But it is yeah. a long movie, but it doesn't feel long. I've I've watched it. No. I might have seen it ten times. Yeah. Might have seen it ten times, I think. Just one question: Is there anything that I would have seen that you could liken it to? It's um. Is it sort of something like one of those old um, movies, like Eight and a Half, or one of those sort of uh, I off, don't know off, and a half. offbeat movies? Or it is uh, it is weirdly melodramatic. It's it's offbeat in the sense of feeling a little bit neurotic and strange mm-hmm. so it kind of puts you in the minds of the characters who are all a little bit unstable in their own ways right. um but it's also overwhelmingly joyful at the yeah, same time anyway i don't want you to i've never seen anything i, like I don't it, want no. you to describe it in 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 detail i was just wondering if there was anything um that came to mind that not it was, really it's it's uh, one of those films that's kind of just defies description the only way to describe it is magnolia okay right well that so, makes it uh very intriguing. All right. Well, let's watch it. And uh, hopefully on the other side, you'll have some good news. For Whatever it. the news is, that's what the news <laughs> will be. Um, yeah, don't pull any yeah. punches. No. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, we just 
got through Magnolia. It's not really like watching, is it? It's quite a quite an ordeal. Well, it's very busy. It is. Uh, and it takes a lot of concentration. It does. There's a lot of uh, intricate details that um, that you can actually ignore if you really want to and just focus on the characters, but their connections are quite a puzzle. Some of, some of the detail was presented so quickly it was hard to mm. keep up with it, yeah. Some of it's also in the background and just uh, <clears throat> uh, incidentary sort of uh, little bits and pieces, newspaper articles you see in the background, and it's amazing how much detail there is in there. Yes, yeah. So how did you feel about it? Oh, well, I found it uh, riveting to watch. Um, certainly it was um, captivating, kept your attention, and uh, as I say, you were concentrating hard the whole way mm. through. I found it impressive as a piece of art sort of like a tapestry of life and uh, presented as art. That's why it came across to me. It's definitely art. I'm mm. glad you say that because it's... Yeah. Uh, and, and most movies I watch, I don't think of as art. Um, I think in the preamble I was mentioning a film called Eight and a Half and going back to a couple of uh, older films that I saw when I was young that were considered arty uh, at the time. And... Um, I just had the gut feeling from what you were saying that this was going to be a bit similar, and I, it was. It does compare? Okay. It was. It's, it's, it's in an American ordinary life setting, which is, you know, nothing fancy about uh, that. It's, it's, a, it's about the base elements of life um, right. rather than about uh, anything um, arty-farty from that point of view. But, but the way it was presented, I, I definitely found extremely creative and interesting in itself. It's, it's a movie I'd like to watch again. But it's possible that you've made a connection that actually is his inspiration for his style. It's well, possible. That would be an amazing fluke if that's the case. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> We've been doing enough of these episodes. There's no reason you couldn't come up with yeah. an insight that all the critics have uh, missed or something like that. It'd be good. Uh, I, I, I would, highly unlikely, I would suggest. I would I would take a lot of credit for that as the, <laughs> as the, uh, the chief tutor of the film school here. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, the, the the biggest thing that's intrigued me about the film right from the moment you mentioned it is the title, um, and and uh, I've been trying to um, figure out why it's called Magnolia. Yeah, and I, I haven't found out either. Um, yeah, magnolia obviously is a very large plant species and there's magnolia trees all over the place and they've been around since before even bees existed. Mm. So they've been around for literally... Um, well, how did they procreate then? Uh, I think it was beetles. Really? Yes. I didn't yeah. even... Yeah, there you go. It's yeah, quite they're very old, hardy uh, type of plant, of course, with very sweet-smelling, nice flowers. And, right. And there's huge range of different types of magnolia, particularly in the United States. They're all over the place. Right, yeah. Um, so I'm assuming it's something to do with that tapestry of life, tapestry of nature type of um, connection. Um, the fact that there's uh, some hardy and base things about magnolias that have allowed them to exist so long and to propagate so widely, but they have this sweet-smelling, rather lovely type of flower that, that is there as well as a sort of inner contradiction in the magnolia, the little bits of beauty that you were seeing amongst the overwhelming 
devastation of life in 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 all the characters in that movie. They were all, you know, every character in the movie virtually was facing a massive life crisis, but there were little moments of beauty for them. I don't know whether there's some analogy there with the magnolia. I'm really trying to make sense of something that isn't immediately evident, though. But you can imagine a director that would make a movie like that wouldn't need wouldn't need strong literal connections. He'd be happy with just. Well, you know, this this movie reminds me of a Magnolia. I'll just call it that. Yeah, but 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 as a as a marketing person, I reckon it's a terrible title. It is. Yeah, yeah and I think the movie may have been uh, even more acknowledged if it had been given a title that resonated more. Because I yeah. think the there's a disconnect between the title and the movie. I find that's quite often the case that yeah. that there are there are movies and TV shows that people will tell me. This it's like it was made for you. You will love this. People I trust. Yeah. And I go, yeah, but I, the title doesn't sound. Yeah, I didn't watch Breaking Bad yeah. for years. Yeah, like a couple of years, because the title to me just didn't appeal. Well, it's meaningless. And it yeah. it gave me pictures in my head that were just yeah. uninteresting. And then someone explained what the title means, which is Breaking Bad is when a guy steps over his moral boundaries and then the floodgates are open and he well, can do whatever a, he wants. It's, it's an expression, is it? Well, it is in the show. I don't know if it was really – I guess someone used it, but I wasn't aware of it beforehand being a, a popular expression. Oh. But then when someone explained what the show was about, I was like, oh, that actually – that concept is quite interesting. I'll well, give it a, a go. That's a good example because yeah. Breaking Bad doesn't tell me anything about what to expect. No, uh, no. But I, I guess most titles don't tell you what to expect. But they give you but a, a some a are more inviting than others. They That's give right. you a feel, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think it's too clever by half as a title. Well, you'll notice there's a painting of a magnolia in the background of almost well, every shot. So he's he obviously knew what he was going to call it at the start. The movie doesn't give you a chance to concentrate on that sort of detail. Not not at the first watching, anyway. Uh, no, that's why it's so rewatchable. Like I, I think I said mm. to you, I've watched it like ten times. I think that'd probably be right. And you see new things every time. You I'm watch sure it. you would. Yeah, it's extremely intense. Uh, I mean, for for something that's pulling so many threads together in one um, complex storyline, it's incredibly intense at, at every point. It's it's interesting. Also, the redundancy of it, like. So you've got two characters or three that have cancer. Well, yeah, that's right. it's like everything's doubled up or tripled up, and it that should be a bad thing. It should be like you know we covered that. You've even got two characters with the same name. Exactly. Well, that's because they're all sort of family interconnected, and no, you know, I mean that kind of stuff. But same. You've got two Jims as Christian well. Christian name, Jims. Yeah. yeah. But um, to, to me, it's it, it's it's almost like he just vomited up every idea that he he'd had you know, in a certain period of time and just stitched it together. You know, like it's it's a warts and all kind of experience where... Yeah. I, I find it hard to believe it's as random as that. No, but it feels like that when you're watching it and the and the yeah. style of the acting. There's a couple of moments. I, in fact, I noticed you laughed at one point at, at, at a very um, emotional moment for one of the characters. I think it was when Julianne Moore says, I sucked a lot of man's cocks or something like oh, that. Right. And you laughed and I thought it is funny. Like she, she went too far there. And I think if I was editing that, I probably would have cut that line out because it's just not right. Yeah. Well, I don't, I can't remember. and I don't know why I laughed, but it's the sort of movie where it could have been an expression on a face or yeah. anything. I no, mean, it was, it, yeah. was, it was everything. Yeah. It, it was just, it broke the illusion slightly. And there's, there's a few, 
bits of acting that are like that in that film, but it's because it's so extreme. Everything's larger than life, right? Exactly. It's it's like a hyper. The characters are extremely ordinary um, individuals, by and large. Obviously, a, a couple of them are in the public eye. Yeah, celebrities. Yeah, so celebrities in sense in that sense, um, but they're. Um, the overwhelming impression of it is it's just a slab of really ordinary life. It's, mm. it's there's nothing. Uh, no, true, about. true. But and, it's also got this sort of intergenerational contrast. So it's got a quiz kid when he's, you know, older, you know, middle middle aged, and and a quiz a quiz kid in his prime. And it's also you know it's it's got a lot of things like that where you've got two generations experiencing the same thing and showing the effects at the same time as, as they ripple down. That, that's that's yeah. right. Through the generations and and the and the deep dark secret um, type of thing that ironically the two male characters try to unburden their sins right at yeah. right 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 at the end of their lives uh, try and wipe the slate clean and uh, that scene with Jimmy Gator frustrates the hell out of me yeah. because he never says it out loud and I think as an audience member you're convinced. Uh, by the conversation that he has oh, with his well, wife. Oh, you, you know from his daughter's reaction when she visited that it's true. You know it's true that she believes it's true anyway. But you still need, like, it, it would be more satisfying to hear the certainty of it, him actually admitting it. And he almost does. I mean, it's almost good enough, but it's just not quite Well, it's good enough. enough. For his, it's good enough for his wife, who, who one minute before he confesses i don't mean that that's one of the fastest moving changes in the direction of a conversation you'd ever see in life because one minute beforehand she's um all over him with how handsome and and what a great love of her life he's been and comforting him and trying to um cheer him up (laughs) and and suddenly this conversation takes this violent turn back to the deep dark uh, past but that's another example where there's a perfect parallel where there's two people at the start of their relationship talking about if I told you the truth about myself, you wouldn't love me anymore. And then we see in, in another right. generation mm. an example of him saying something and yeah. it does make her fall immediately out of love with him Yeah, in a sense, which is uh, – I don't even think it's re- unrealistic. Like I think you, you, you can't, when you're in a relationship, you kind of go through the motions and you say the I love yous and all those things. And after a while maybe it doesn't quite have as much meaning as it did the, you know, the first time you say I love you is a big deal. Possibly. Everyone after that. Speak started. for yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 I, I haven't made it as long as you have, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's, uh, it's much different from how I imagine. Anyway, whatever, whatever they've done in their lives, they've certainly produced one of the most messed up daughters one could ever imagine. She's an incredible character, and I, I, th- I thought her performance was absolutely uh, gripping. Well, you'd be interested to know that Claudia, the character, yeah. was the first one invented and the whole story was built around her. Ah, right. Well, that's the sense it gave me mm. when I watched it, I've got to say, because I, I found her the, by far the most interesting character. The, the, the cop uh, as well was, you know, um, mm. for, for a character so um, innately boring, yeah. he was he was <laughs> absolutely presented that he, way. He was abso- absolutely interesting. Uh, Extraordinary. I thought both of them were, were really um, amazing, mm. um, and yeah, I enjoyed that uh, that whole um, thread of the of the story. Mm. Mm. I, I I find it there's something about how extreme her obvious, you know, sort of like 
nervousness and and uh, you know obviously as a reaction to the cocaine oh. that she's taking or whatever the way she acts especially during the scene when he actually comes back after leaving and asks her out and i'm like how is he not <laughs> freaking out look at how she's acting well, she's like uh, it's I, such a hurry to say okay ask me okay i'm going to say yes okay now we're closing the door like that was one of the little leaps in the in the script too that i i don't know i must have missed something but i mean he's in the mud one minute and he's there the next and i couldn't work out if it was the next day but I, I i i certainly worked out that he was meant to be coming at i think 10 o'clock and 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 clearly that time passed and yeah. so she hopped into the cocaine and turned up the music again i got that bit but, but then suddenly he's there and I thought, well, what's this, the next day? Or yeah, they don't show how he gets there. I think I think the idea yeah. is that well, he lost his gun so it was this big thing and everyone had to help him search for it. And well, whatever. we saw him going around searching with everyone else so we knew he'd survive because obviously while, while he was lying in the mud there, we didn't know if he was going to get shot or whatever was going to happen. We knew he'd survive but then suddenly he's at the door and I, I mean, clearly he would have needed fair bit of time between between that ordeal and turning up at the door but anyway it was just one of a number of times through the thing where it just happened things happen so quickly that sometimes it was hard to um, keep up with it absolutely i i yeah. find that whole bit confusing because i i probably when i was younger i didn't really understand the significance of a cop losing their gun that that's like a big thing and i didn't really get the point of the scene and then when he's talking about it i'm like she was just about to admit that she's a drug addict, which would be significant and actually affect their lives. And then he goes, oh, well, I lost my gun. So that's equivalent. And I'm like, is it though? But, it, <laughs> but that, that, isn't that the point? At the level of his thinking it is. Yeah, I suppose yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Because his life was totally about being a police officer. Yeah. As he said, it's a 24-hour-a-day job. He hasn't got any family. To me, was the point the exact point that the biggest thing in his life was not to lose his gun? Yeah, and he yeah. did it yeah. that night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I suppose so. It's just I think when I was a bit younger, I just didn't quite get that bit. Like that part didn't resonate with me as much as the other parts. For me, I was a TJ Mackey guy. I, I found Tom Cruise's character the most fascinating, just by sheer virtue of being so utterly despicable, but. You know, like he, he he epitomizes toxic masculinity, which wasn't a phrase that you would use back when the movie was made. And and the way the movie um, at least makes some attempt to reveal what caused it, you know, like the and but but instead of apologizing for it up front, it, the movie kind of embraces it as I don't know, almost a humorous thing. I mean, for me, it was uh, quite humorous uh, the way he was. Because, I mean, you've, we've all seen those kinds of seminars and uh, book and tape type well, have things. We, have we? Because I had, yeah. I, I was about to say um, that um, I took a little while to catch on to, to uh, what, what, oh, no, that's a real... what the hell he was doing at the start there. So people actually go around and uh, whip up male audiences in, like, uh, misogynistic... Um, Absolutely. Uh, and hysteria, do they? It's it's taken to a level that's almost parody in the who, movie. Who, I mean, I, I haven't heard of this happening. Where, where does this... Oh, no, this, that's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There are, you know, back in the day when they had, like, late-night TV and uh, right. they'd sell sets of tapes and things, a lot of things were about, you know, how to get women to like you and all that. There's books oh, about yeah. it. There's all sorts of things. Anyway, once I caught on as to who he was and what he was doing for for a living 
I thought it, yeah, it developed as a very interesting uh, character. And that interview is um, the interviews fascinating. Yeah, yeah, terrific. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, she's um, was a very clever interviewer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She held back on what she knew for yeah. a long time, but mm. when you watch it and you know. You can see she's reacting to every time he says something that doesn't match up with what she knows. She's re- reacting, but it's That's so right. subtle. Yes. It's really good yeah. acting. No, it was. I can see why that performance, I think you said at the start, got an um, Oscar nomination. Nom- yeah. nomination. As supporting actor. Um, as supporting actor. However, I think the name Cruz probably helped that nomination. I reckon there was four or five other, other, other. Um, performances in that that were equally as good there was nothing at all likable about that character um so it, it, even even when the truth started to come out you didn't feel much empathy for him no but it's like claudia um, you understand it's a bit slower with him but you understand it's damage it's not evil you know and uh but but what he's putting out into the world is evil is essentially evil that's right well, it's it's an inexcusable stuff yeah um but as i say that that's this is it's not that far removed yeah. from from some of the stuff that that you would have seen around it at that time yes yeah. anyway real. i i wouldn't mind getting a copy of his book on how to pretend you're loving and caring or whatever yeah, it was. Right. Um, yeah. how to pretend like you're nice and caring <laughs> <laughs> form a tragedy <laughs> the funny thing is it resonated with me not so much because uh, there is material out there like that but that's kind of like how timbo uh, my my old friend Timbo back in the day approached women himself, right? And he would come up with dumb rules like that, and uh, not quite as cynical, but right. you know he would entertain former tragedy. <laughs> he uh, would have. Well, that's um, yeah. I mean, that's that was like all I can say is that's most unfortunate. Well, yeah. Now I know how to do those things if I ever you know choose choose to use those techniques. I never really did though. I wasn't uh, I wasn't exactly a a master of the bush or whatever he, uh, Tom Cruise was. Yeah. Yeah. Never, yeah. never quite got to that level. I, I actually had trouble with the cynicism of it. I just, you know, yeah. wanted, wanted to um, be genuine most of the time. But um, I, I'm also convinced that those types of techniques can work as well, which is really uh, another disturbing aspect. Oh, they of, work. They work at one level. Um, at, at, yeah. In one a, one in particular a, in, goal. In achieving, yeah. in achieving their dubious aims. It's, it's not going to get you a, a long, successful marriage. Of but, course yeah. it's not. But wasn't there some equivalence being made between what he was teaching and what a couple of the other characters were living? Um, I, I took it that it was about what Jimmy was really like. It was about what um, Earl was really like. Well, and also um, you could use those types of techniques to ex- exploit someone like Claudia yeah. who has a damaged past. Yeah. And so, right at the end of their life, both of those men were going through hell trying to deal with the consequences of what they had done through their life. So that's how I took it, that Frankie's headed in the same direction. In fact, that movie I think was probably quite formative for me in the sense that I sp- and like one of the core principles that I use in life is to, when I'm considering doing something, taking an action, I try to imagine the future regret of if I got caught or, you know, if, if it went the wrong way, you know, uh, how, how bad on my deathbed am I going to feel about that? And I think watching that movie was what sort of taught me to think like that. So it's actually, that's pretty interesting, but I, I'm almost certain that was like the source of those ideas. 
Right. So there's there's two things that I'm absolutely curious about uh, that I need to ask you. One is uh, I knew that actor who played the old quiz, uh, Donnie Smith. I knew that actor's face really well, but I couldn't place him at all as to where I might have seen him. But I, I, I'm absolutely sure I know him. Well, he, he's been in a lot of sort of... Um... Uh, what do you call them, sort of independent, arty-type films, uh, and he was around that time. And I thought he was terrific, by the way. Yeah. He's great. He's always great. He's actually yeah. currently he's in a, um, a TV show called Shameless, which is a remake of a UK show of the same name, um, and he plays the father of the family. He's, he's just a drunk. He's passed out on the floor almost all the time. Like the first time you see him, he's just passed out in the oh, hallway. Right. They just okay. step over him and come in. Um, but he's great in that show. Like he's actually in in some ways the well, that's, uh, to that character. I've seen that on the TV guide. Uh, right. So you may have seen uh, I interviews with it. him for that yeah. show or something. Yeah. That's that's in its uh, seventh or eighth season now. That's so it's right. It's clearly been going for a while. Um, yeah. So that's kept him busy for the last you know several years. Um, I don't know what movie you'd seen. I went through his filmography trying to find movies that I thought you would have seen, and I couldn't really see any that stood out. But there's a whole bunch. Like he, he, there was a time when he was in almost every sort of independent movie for a while, um, and he's always a quirky character that stands out. You never, never forget his performances. So, I'm certain you've seen him, but I don't think I can help you with which particular no. film. Okay, and the, and the, the second one's the Frog Storm, um, right? So that's that know, is a natural phenomenon that occurs somewhere, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I researched in the back it of my I head. I haven't, I haven't uh, had obviously had time to look it up since we watched I think the movie. But I think it's something to do with. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but I think it it occurs when, uh, you know, like a frog pond sort of evaporates up in the tadpoles or the and they actually hatch up in baby frog and they hatch up in the heavy yeah. clouds or something. Yeah, then, something like that. I don't know, but yeah. but those frogs were huge. I mean, they weren't recently hatched. Well, they so were smashing know. cars. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were. At, at first hit. Like it wasn't like, um, yeah, they were heavy. It's it's hard to imagine a frog could get to that size in the amount of time that it would take for it to fall out of this uh, out of a cloud. Oh, well, it probably <laughs> there's probably yeah. a bit of um, artistic license with how it was yes. used, of course. But uh, but I think there is some basis of truth in it. It's, I believe so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I believe so. But um, uh, I'm willing to be proven wrong. I feel like there's a lot of things like that that are kind of possibly myths that I believe. Yeah. Are true. Like one thing that I always think about is hypnotism, you know, the stage hypnotism. And yeah. I think I'm kind of assuming that that can be done to people, but I don't know if maybe they're all actors. Yeah. I really don't know if I'm just a complete fool when it comes to that stuff. But um, I, I have heard of this phenomenon before yeah. the movie and I'm pretty sure uh, I checked into it back in the day and it was sort of semi-legit. Yeah. And I, I, I must have done a good job concentrating and everything because I, I entirely in my own mind predicted the frog coming through the skylight, hitting the gun and making it go off. And shoot <laughs> right, there you go. Yeah, I entirely <laughs> predicted that. Yeah. Well, it does start with Once a slow the frog motion started shot of the falling, frog. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. the frog's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bit slapstick, wasn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's interesting the, the moments of... Um, well, it was comedic it, moments in the movie. It was the equivalent to the woman at the start who, yeah, yeah, yeah. who accidentally fired the shotgun and uh, hit, hit her son jumping off the roof on the way down. Do you feel the story that you actually get lives up to that premise of the intro, though? Uh, uh, oh, probably. You don't really get anything as 
quite as convoluted as the guy getting shot as he's trying a to commit fro- a suicide. A frog storm affecting the end of everyone's stories are pretty amazing. Um, it's possibly a, a lazy writing device too. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, people who've criticised it that way. I, I don't see it that way. I think it's uh, oh, I, it needed something operatic well, and it biblical. had to be. It had they had to be all tied together at the end. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it did it. it you, know, you could call it a lazy device, but. It's a pretty inventive one. Yeah. Or, or we could have just watched a 19-hour movie and just let it keep <laughs> going. Right. So what are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that, that is a controversial part of the movie because I think a lot of people were invested in the characters at that point and then that kind of breaks it out of the, the character drama and more towards a... It's not that realistic. No. I don't find the whole any of the movie all that realistic. I mean, no. I, I think the, the characters' motivations and history and... And how they behave, even though they act in a sort of heightened fashion, they're realistic and they're very good. You know, they're very observational yeah, human trait. You know, they're very good observation. No, but of they're humanity. exaggerated characters. It's, yeah. it's sort of like um, a cinematic version of Dickens. You know, yeah, they, yeah. their characters are all exaggerated, and yeah, uh, yeah. their their character traits are all simplified and exaggerated. Exactly. That's something that cinema can do. So, I mean, it, it's a completely legitimate way to use. Um, oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, and Paul Thomas Anderson's the master of it. How, how he keeps that intensity and that kind of energy pulsing through the whole movie, I just don't know. Imagine just filming one shot of one person reacting to one line of dialogue, which is how you shoot a movie, Yeah, and infusing every single shot. Like it would be pain, a painstaking job. Yeah. 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 No, the attention to detail is is incredible. Yeah, and then you know every day you have to get on set and whip your actors up into this frenzy of emotion, you know. And and there'd be almost a record number of scenes in that movie, like the mm. little cameo scenes. They're they're like little cameo uh, mm. performances in their own. You know, they would work as taken out of the movie and just use as little snippets. Oh, definitely. Snippets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, you could take any character out of yeah. that movie and make a whole movie about that character's yeah. experience. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. and, and there, there are very few who don't feel somewhat fleshed out. There's a couple of just pop on, this guy's the producer. You know what a producer yeah. is. Don't worry about it too much. You know. Well, one we haven't mentioned is the tortured male nurse. That That's an yeah. amazing character. I mean, I just thought, I thought that was next to next to Claudia, I thought was... Uh, oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. So that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. He's in, uh, he was in every one of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. It's okay. his favourite actor, mm-hmm. they're best friends. Yeah. Um, and he very sadly died about um, maybe a bit less than five years ago now. So, okay. Fairly yeah, young. And quite young too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very, very sad. I think the last thing he did for Paul Thomas Anderson was to play the lead in The Master which is uh, he was playing the um, head of Scientology, um, L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, right. He if played Ron Hubbard. He played Ron Hubbard. Okay. It's never right. said out loud in the movie. Okay. So it's like a, you know, he starts kind of like a cultish sort of thing, but you, you know it's Scientology. They yeah. just, I think, for legal reasons, wrote all references to Scientology. Was Tom Cruise in that? No, he's not, no. <laughs> Actually, um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, I don't think, ever worked with Tom Cruise again. I can't think of any other movies where oh. where he was in i don't know maybe there were problems there but um in the behind the scenes stuff of of magnolia paul thomas anderson takes the piss out of philip seymour hoffman he goes you would have been like a terrible actor if it wasn't for me you're like 
anytime I tell you, just just stand there and contemplate your life for five minutes. Uh, he reckons like Philip Seymour Hoffman within 30 seconds would be throwing things around the room and going all dramatic. And he taught him to just stand there and live in the emotion and not do anything. And that's, he's so still in this movie. It's, you can see it. So, and it really works. Like he's the, he's got to be the only real sympathetic character in the whole movie, right? Where consistently from start to finish. Yeah. The other characters are sympathetic because you give them concessions for their experience, but Phil's the only one where you just, you like him from the start. You feel bad. You like him. him. You're yelling at him. Don't get sucked in son. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene where, um, I don't know if it, I, I didn't notice you reacting to it the same way I do, but that scene where he's, he calls up the store and pretends to buy things, and then he buys yeah, all the, the, the early the, magazines. Uh, magazines to look at the uh, an advertisement <laughs> to get a phone number. But yeah. I didn't realize the first time I saw that that he was sleuthing to get in contact. <laughs> I just thought he was. I'm like, why is he buying us? He's pretending now? to be a sleaze bag. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to get a phone number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that whole scene, it's, for some reason, I just yeah. really like that that moment. Like I could watch it a hundred times. I'd never get yeah. sick of it. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's fantastic. I mean, all the actors did a great job, though. There's there's really not. Yeah, no, I agree. There's no single role. Um, the other one is, of course, Julianne Moore. And again, I think I would view her character as a little bit more controversial as a performance. And she got a lot of note for it and and a lot of praise. But um, there are people who say that she was she played Earl's partner, Earl's younger wife. Yeah, yeah. and um, she she does a couple of things where you just go. <laughs> you know, um, she's. You can sort of tell she's improvising sometimes. I think if you if you if it breaks you out of the moment. Um, but I, she has my favorite scene in the film, which is the one where she has to go to the pharmacy and get all the really really yeah strong medications for yeah. Earl, and she has to deal with that suspicion of of the pharmacist and his assistant, which turns out to be correct. Yeah, I mean, she's so justified <laughs> in cracking the shits. She goes way over the yeah. top, of course, but. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's an, everyone, an everyone in the movie is has that at least personality and the intensity of crisis they face. That they go where? Well <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, we we it, it, it's an exercise in in uh, a study, I should say, in how people uh, go over the top. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the whole movie is well. That the the pharmacist assistant. I mean, he got away with it up until the last little push that he made. Like yeah. she was going to let it go. Yeah. And he just had to say one more little thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said. It wasn't the line the of last having line, a party, yeah. but it was that one. Yeah. yeah. And But oh, I just love that scene because it's so long. It's intercut with other bits. The music's picking up, so you know it's heading, heading towards a, a crescendo. And uh, and you feel, you feel that moment. Like I, I can just imagine – just shaking with anger at at the the way she was being treated, and it's 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 a situation. It's a very mundane situation. It really shouldn't be that intense, you know. There's nothing happening essentially, just people being people. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's my favorite favorite scene in the movie Is because it? of that. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, I never get bored of it. Yeah. And it's the one yeah. I think when I think I'm going to watch Magnolia, yeah. I remember that scene and go, yeah, I do want to watch it. <laughs> right. So not that there's not a lot of other stuff, but that's the thing. That's the one yeah. scene I think that sort of personifies the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't a character that demanded much empathy or 
or anything like that. No, I never um, really felt sorry for her. No. But, um, I mean, the idea that she married a guy for money and then fell in love with him while he was sick with cancer is a bit weird. Oh, I can imagine that happening. I, I didn't find that. Uh, that didn't trouble. I mean, I, I I think that's an interesting concept. And quite, I think I think if you watch quite plausible, if you watched that happen in a story, it would be completely plausible. But her just saying it out loud like that sounds weird. Yeah, I mean, I think um, life experience tells you that people can fall in love over time. Not mm. not everyone uh, is as is is as much in love at the start of a relationship as at the end. No, well, you would hope um, it's growing and, all the and, time, and of course, it's possible to to uh, marry someone for money and then find out who they are as a person and actually fall in love with it. Mm. I, I, I guess the the thing that stretched it a bit there was um, at, the, at the same time as she's running that line, um, the, the, the the dark past of Earl is is mm. is, is being revealed alongside it, which doesn't depict him as a person <laughs> that would uh, likely uh, provoke that response from someone who'd known no. him for a long time. No, uh, it is a bit uh, contradictory. It, yeah, it, it, so maybe that's why it doesn't, it's not one of the storylines that really grabs you the most. Well, uh, but th- when you think about his story, though, he's not, there's nothing evil about his history. His history is he just couldn't handle his wife dying of, well, no. you know, and being sick and being in pain. I mean, oh, no, uh, I think I'd he did put, the wrong thing, but oh, you can no, imagine. I'd, I'd put it much higher than that. Yeah? I, oh, How absolutely. do you put it? Leaving a 14-year-old child with a dying, mother dying of cancer. To, 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 Wasn't it 12? 14, I thought it was. But anyway. Someone says 12 and someone says another number, I think. Yeah, right. yeah. whatever. Well, he was obviously 12 before he was 14. Mm. Um, so he, uh, but, but I thought the actual end of her life came when he was 14. Yeah, okay, that's uh, probably right. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, I think that's a heinous thing. I do, but I also think that's, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult situation and it's, Why? I would characterize it more as a weakness. Why would you say that's a euphemism for, for, for it's not, a, people face difficult situations, but, but it's an um, unforgivable way to, to behave. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's you're right. It's unforgivable. Obviously, yeah. it's um, it's very very poor, even for Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With his screwed up head. Well, uh, yeah, he he certainly uh, never quite got over it, did he? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's the it damage is. it's done. Yeah, it is very yeah. much so. But yeah. it, uh, I think when you when you're comparing it with uh, the history of say a Jimmy Gator, who who who's you know getting a similar kind of uh, ending and living in regret. What he did is, to me, more hang. I mean, he oh, well, he, he, could, he actively damaged his child and probably well, he quite, never, quite a lot younger. Well, he never too. outright admits it. He committed no, well, he he committed a a crime. Yeah, but I don't. No, I I don't agree. I think they're as bad as they're both bad. So no, abandonment I, is. I'm, is I, as bad I, as, I wouldn't rank those two acts um, as much different. Okay, well, that's that's interesting. In my head, they're, they're one's a bit more serious, but well, one's a crime. So, um, oh, not because it's a crime. Yeah. I mean, it's God, it's it's a crime that seems to go uh, unprosecuted so often. But well, more to the um, the I damage. I mean, it the almost it, it, it almost begs the question: Who's the more damaged, Claudia or Frank? 
You know? Well, as portrayed, Both, yeah. Neither, neither could be more damaged to try and rank them as more damaged one than but the that, other. That could just be a function of the, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson having abandonment issues and and, ha- and having not been abused. The, the difference between them is probably the fact Frank's doing more ongoing damage in the world than what mm. uh, than what Claudia is. But mm. Um, mm. other than that, um, they're pretty damaged characters. Absolutely, yeah, mm. yeah. Claudia wasn't spreading her her damage around as much or at all really she well, was not, just in her apartment self-medicating essentially not, so. not not really other than um, other than um sleep deprived neighbors yeah. yeah well yeah i guess there's that yeah they were trying to work from home the poor guys yeah <laughs> so uh, the other thing we need to talk about is the the moment it's it's the most controversial moment in the movie which is where amy mann's song uh, it's not going to stop uh I think it's actually called Wise Up. Right. Um, starts playing and the characters sing it. Yes. Even yeah. even dead ones or yeah. uh, comatose ones. That is yeah. a uh, bizarre moment. What a bizarre moment to put yeah. in a film. How did you feel about it? Oh, I, I, it was captivating, actually. Yeah. I, I It just came out of nowhere. And um, I, I thought, God, am I watching a some sort of corny musical here? You know, like just for a moment. I it was. Um, I took it um, to be just another dimension of these sort of um, um, exaggerated lives that we were watching, ordinary lives, but exagger- mm. exaggerated. And and I just took it as some sort of comment that. You know, we're sort of all in this together. Type yes, of thing. that's yeah. that's the way I saw yeah. it. It ties all the characters together in a moment where they're all almost at their lowest point, and they're having a similar revelation, maybe about their own contribute own um, contribution to their downfall or their problems or and whatever. It, maybe it, um, and it takes the movie to a, another place yep. that, that almost sets you up for the frogs a bit. Yeah, a little you know, bit. Uh, in I, fact, I, it's possible that the frogs and the singing are is a little bit too much, and maybe they should have just had the one. Yeah, but that's clearly strange... that's clearly deliberate. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and for sure. And and um, you know, if the frogs coming right at the end had been the only moment like that in the movie, well, perhaps mm. it wouldn't have been as plausible. Mm. Perhaps it's just a little window into the fact that this this is a piece of art you know yeah. like the movie's a piece of art as i said at the start uh, that's the way i took it therefore i allow for 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 those sort of interventions that's right yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. but when that happens i mean i don't think you could the first time you see it there's there's no one who wouldn't just go what the hell you know yeah. like i think everybody has that experience um but for me uh, once that moment passed I was like, no, this is perfect. I don't know why, it had a, but there's an emotional resonance that it causes that, it, it that's was so almost, good. It was almost uh, cute. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of comical. It yeah, was light. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The bit where you see um, Julianne Moore in the car, and she's singing too, but she's obviously either dead or unconscious. Yeah, uh, is is that's where I sort of well when the when the Phil is singing even earl's lips are moving in yeah the that's background. right and he's, yeah. he's comatose so yeah <laughs> yeah they're, they're doing a duet <laughs> so what, what is that song 
Amy. It's called Wires Up by Amy Mann, and uh, it's um, it's just a, it's a beautiful song. I mean, I could I could listen to it over and over. And she sang a number of songs in it. Yeah, she? like almost all of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, almost all of them. There's a few like um, the one uh, that he's playing in his car, "Dreams Can Come True" by. Yeah. Did I say Gabrielle? I think I ended up. I wish I'd looked that up, but yeah, I think it's Gabrielle. It must be playing on um, just repetition on the tape. That's right. Yeah. Maybe he's driving in very short bursts, so the song just never quite finishes. I don't know, but it's playing the whole time. That's the other thing I noticed too, that this movie is one of the few movies that I've ever seen, possibly with the exception of some Robert Altman movies and things like that, where he goes for that sort of naturalistic feel, where it plays two songs over the top of each other. So the score of the movie keeps playing while Gabrielle is playing in the car, and it causes this chaotic thing. In fact, it's one of my pet hates. But I don't mind it in the movie. There's something about uh, it creates an energy for me. I wasn't conscious of that. Happens quite a lot. Okay. Where Um, you're hearing two songs or the song's distorted, like when when she's got her music loud and and it's distorting. Right. You know, it it really abuses the form of music in a lot of ways, but in parts where there's chaos happening and it's appropriate. So. I mean, the the um, song used early on, one is the loneliest number. I'm I'm very familiar with that song. And and at that point, I thought, oh, it's going to be one of those movies that plays a whole lot of um, uh, popular uh, songs on the way. No, no, no. that's well, that's Amy Mann doing a cover. But the thing goes to everything from Amy Mann after that. Yeah, well, that is Amy Mann doing a cover of that song. So, oh, that's her singing that as well. Yeah, so that's that's on the album. Right. I mean, that's a very old song that's been around for a long time before her. Yeah, she she does it quite differently though. Right. It's, it's quite a different um, sort of tone the way, oh, well, the way she sings I, Yes, it. I had no idea who was singing that at the time. Right, yeah. 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 No, as I say, almost all of the music is is Amy Mann, and he, he kind of, I think he collaborated with her, uh, you know, in making the movie. Like well, she. Uh, she causes the tone of the movie in a She way. did a great job, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, it's the, a great soundtrack. The, the, I can recommend The music that. really works, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, um, I, I guess we need to get a, a, a score. Yeah, well, it's a it's a hard one to score because uh, because of the um, I couldn't you couldn't directly compare that movie with much else that I've seen. I'm delving back into my very young adult life, nearly fifty years ago, to to, to find anything I can think of to compare it. So that makes it a little bit um, difficult. But in terms of engagement and impact, a lot of um, really striking um, individual acting performances and characters that I'll remember out of it. So I think it's one that will grow on me and I think would I'd really like to watch it again mm. to watch some of the that's detail. I think the first time, isn't so it, I pretty think much? Pretty much. Out of all the ones we've yeah, watched. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Oh, I think, I, I think I'd, I'd have to mark it highly, I'd say, an eight. Okay, eight's good. Mm-hmm. I can't remember all the other scores anymore. I don't. Think, while, I don't think I've gone higher than that, have I? I don't. I, you definitely haven't gone. Yeah, you've never done a nine. Uh, I'm. I'm actually not sure that you philosophically believe in nine. Well, when you, <laughs> when you, <laughs> yeah, show, that's a good when, score. When you show me the graduate, I'll give you a nine. Yeah, well, that's right. We've still got to do that episode where we flip it around and and you get yeah. me to watch the graduate. We'll definitely do that in the, in the near future. I just didn't think it'd be like the first one coming back that we should do no. a, a format no. reversal, but. Uh, we can definitely do it soon. Anyway, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's fun. I yeah, I'm glad we got through it. Like I was really worried about the three hour 
time mm. frame. I, and it, it did cause some problems, I realised, but um, worth it, I think. What yeah. do you reckon? Yeah, well, it was a rather hot and uncomfortable night. Mm. and uh, Awful. Um, made uh, made sitting still for three hours a bit more challenging, but yes, well, but, it doesn't help when your aircon happens to break on a no, on a thirty five degree day, and no, uh, not ideal. Yeah, but uh, we got through it. We enjoyed yep. it, hopefully, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Very much so. Thanks for watching it with me, Dad. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.